Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a self-help resource for people who are navigating herpes stigma. Uh, today's guest is someone that reached out to me actually <laughs> today. Uh, you started to type up your story or just different experiences that you were having uh, to that point, how you found me and everything. So I would like to start with that. Uh, I don't have any reason to say your name, like I mentioned already, but if you want to introduce yourself by a name, then you are more than welcome to, along with any uh, identities. I know you introduced yourself as a 65-year-old lesbian, um, and so yeah, let's start there. Let's get an introduction from you, and then just tell me what made you reach out to me. Okay. Um... I'm not 65 yet. I'll be 64 this year. Oh, my I, bad. I misread. I'm sorry. It's all right. I'll take the year, but you know, I'll take it next year. All right. <laughs> I'm a single black lesbian living here in uh, uh, a northeastern state. Um, I, you can call me Joyce if that's easier for you. Um, I am third generation here in uh, in the United States. I have a Caribbean background. Um, I am now, let's see, retired for three years, so I'm doing the things that I wanted to do now, and I'm, at this point, um, have been doing a lot of self-exploration, self-evaluation, uh, and, and, and growing up, actually, you know, coming into my, my womanhood at this age, if you could believe it. Yeah. All right. I appreciate you sharing all of that. Um, so what, what made you reach out? I reached out because I didn't hear anyone's experience and I haven't read it in print. I haven't heard it through my ears who had similar experiences with uh, herpes diagnosis as I have, um, specifically, uh, acquiring it or coming to the conclusion or being told that you, that I have herpes at a late, at a, at a later age. Um, and it affects you at a, at an older age differently because I am not, um, at this point as, um, it's not that I'm not interested in sex. I am. I'm interested in sex and the intimacies, but it is, doesn't play as big a part in my life, part of in my life as it does, I think, in the lives of those who are younger. Uh, in their twenties and thirties, and then there are some cultural differences too that that I have based upon my background. Okay, and <clears throat> when you were looking for these resources, you didn't see anything. You didn't see any representation. I guess what would you say you're looking for? Um, I don't know that I'm actively looking for anything. Um, I didn't see any represent any representation. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of resources, once I got my diagnosis, I was I was left on my own to figure out what it is, and how am I going to go forward with with my diagnosis? And I I heard some things, and I I keep hearing them that just didn't compute with me. I don't know if it's an individual thing or if it's uh, something or what it is. And that was the can I can I keep going? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's the word stigma. I never um. Attach that word. I said, what is, what are all these people talking about a stigma? You know, acquiring a health diagnosis um, is not a stigma to me. Any more so than, than me um, acquiring asthma because I was in a certain place in this northeastern city in 2001. Uh, or the 
the fact that I developed high blood pressure, being a little, being overweight, that's not a stigma. It's just a condition that I have to manage. And I will tell the appropriate people when it's necessary. And it's just, just that. I, and I still don't get it. Why, why did anybody make this daggone big deal out of it? Stigma. No. It's a health condition. Mm-hmm. What I find is that people who make it more of a deal than it is are mm-hmm. people who typically link their identity so much into their sexuality. Because when you get herpes diagnosis, it's an incurable infection. So everyone that you want to have sex with, you ethically ought to be disclosing your status to them and then giving them the choice on whether or not they want to move forward. And people typically think, well, if someone were to have told me this, would I have wanted to move forward with them? Probably not. And so that to me is what I see commonly with how people internalize that stigma because it makes them feel unwanted overall when the reality is that people just don't want to get herpes. It's not that people don't want you, it's that people don't want to get herpes. And that's what the stigma is. There you go. That's the crux of the matter. I just don't like using that word uh, stigma, that's all. Yeah. Uh, So how recently were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed in 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was told by, in 2014, I was in the middle of a relationship with a woman. We had been together from about, up to that point, maybe about nine or ten years. And I was literally visited on my front door by a previous woman who said, you know what, you need to go get tested because so-and-so and so-and-so. And I did. And that's when I found out I had it. I had to then come back and tell my present partner who uh, went and got tested and she found out that she had it. We continued our relationship um, until, oh, let's see, maybe about five years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And our relationship ended, but not because of that diagnosis. Okay. Did the diagnosis change y'all's relationship? I didn't think so, but I later found out that it did on her part. She never shared with me um, how she really felt until after the relationship was over. Really? Uh, Are you (laughs) able to talk a little bit more about that? Yes. During the course of our relationship, um, we were sexual with one another. We were intimate, physically intimate with one another. And that continued. But I found out later on, she said she wasn't comfortable with it, but didn't know how to tell me that she didn't want to, she just didn't want to continue having this type of relationship with me. Mm. How'd you find this out? Huh? So she told you this after the relationship? Yeah. yeah. I'm curious, just what do you think made her finally tell you this after, because you said y'all continued the relationship up until five years ago? Mm-hmm. She got quiet. She moved out, moved by herself, and was able to stop and think and reevaluate a lot of things in her life. Which, when you're living with somebody, you don't always have or don't take the time to do that. And when we were together, I was very busy. Um, I was caring for aging parents, one of whom was disabled. Um, I was working, as frankly, I, I had a I had a civil service job, so I was working a lot. 
trying to build up my pension because I knew I was retiring in a couple of years. So we didn't have a lot of time, a lot of quiet times. We didn't, we had it, but we didn't take the time to talk one to talk to one another about things that were really on our hearts and to be vulnerable. That's that's something that that you learn as you go along. I just didn't learn it when I was with her. Yeah. But do I know it now? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what ended the relationship then? I think there was several factors. One being, um, as she related to me, not having the time, me not having time and not giving her enough time. Although we did make time for vacations every once in a while. And um, it was that lack of communication and intimacy. Okay. Even though I was in my 50s, I think I was very, there was a part of me that was very immature. It's one of the things that I so admire, and I'm going to say you, and I put you uh, in um, collective you, you young folks, that you have these conversations that you absolutely talk to one another, and you really express your feelings. Um, you're, um, you're vulnerable with one another. And frankly, for me, in, in, in that relationship, and I think probably not so much in, in subsequent in relationships that I will have, I have learned that that's, that's the, that will be the crux of it, to be vulnerable, to open up. Because then you don't get to, who, who do you know? You may know about me physically, but you don't really know me. I very much. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just, I was going to say, plus it's a, it's a very Caribbean thing, too, is that we, um, you don't tell everybody your business. Right. You know? Right. Certain things you just keep to yourself. What I was going to say was uh, about how typically when a person gets a herpes diagnosis uh, that I would speak to, and keep in mind, most people who have herpes, they're dealing with it okay, because it's a matter of just disclosing your status to a new partner and then dealing with the outbreaks when they come. So very few times that you really have to worry about having herpes. The people that I speak to are people who typically are having to readjust to maybe being single after having been in a relationship for a long time and not having to understand this virus uh, in a new way or communicate about it or disclose um, or people who are newly diagnosed and don't know what to do. So I say that to say it's interesting hearing your story as someone who found out from a past partner that you had herpes, gone to get tested, and then finding out that your existing partner also tested positive, and y'all continued a relationship, and it ended, but it didn't end because of herpes. So that was why I was curious about why the relationship ended, because we, and you know, you use air quotes when you said, you know, you, as in young people, knowing how to communicate and be vulnerable, uh, I want to say we, adding to that, we also tend to put our herpes status, our herpes diagnosis and sex in this super high category of importance and significance when there's so <laughs> much more to a relationship. There's more to a relationship than sex. Sex is a priority when it comes to dating, but not when it comes to relationships. And I wish that I was able to better communicate this to people because when you're looking for a relationship, sex is not really that significant of a thing compared to compatibility, compared to if you want kids or not, compared to where you want to live, 
compared to income, uh, how you want to relate with family, career, and what you just said. You said time. There are, that's six, seven things that I just named, and then there's herpes, right? And then there's sex in addition to that. So I hope that, you know, hearing this, that people are able to hear from the wisdom that you've shared so far uh, and what you're going to continue to share, just how important these other things are. And they all seem to fall into the category of intimacy to a degree, because you just said, like, in the Caribbean community, like, we don't talk about these things. We don't be vulnerable. We can have sex. And that's a form of vulnerability, but we can't be vulnerable, which puts us in the position to potentially get hurt. Absolutely. Um, and it's not so much of a thing as we can't be vulnerable. We just aren't, or I'm not, um, or was not. And yes, sex is more important, I think, than, as you stated, in the, when you're in your dating. Because uh, you don't know when it's going to come up. But you have to be mindful of it and be and be honest about it. Now I'm in that position now, and dating is so much different now. You know, I, I got to go online. You know, I'm I'm in a in, a, in which I um with other uh, uh other single uh other other single lesbians. But it's and I I you know I'm gonna have to face that um when it when it comes up. Am I prepared for it? Yeah, because you know what I'm all over. I can tell my truth now. I can sit down with another sister if I if we've gone on a couple of dates and whatnot, and we we have similar intentions, and say, you know what, thus and so is the case. I'm yeah. tired. I have time. I want. I'd like to go travel. You want to travel? Okay, we can do that. We can do other things together. And also, by the way, I have this condition, which is a, a, a STI or so and so, and I might give it to you, or the possibility ex- exists. Do you want to continue? Be real grown up about it. And it's either a yay or nay. You know, most of my life is behind me. I don't have time for foolishness. I don't think she she won't either. You know, we either gonna do it or we're not or we're not gonna do it. We're not gonna do it halfway. Because we've been too much as black women out here that we have time for the foolishness. We don't have the time for the foolishness. We wanna love one another and be one another and give one another the best that we have to give with one another to one another. We can only do that by being honest. Do I think that's going to happen? Yeah, it may not happen this year, next year, but it'll happen before I close my eyes for the last time. Yeah. And if not, you know, hey, I won't wither away. Yeah. I'll be just fine. Uh, you mentioned being still immature in your 50s. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what that immaturity looked like for you? Yes. Look like in the context of that relationship of word of holding my peace, of not saying what I want to say and not being brutally honest for fear of hurting her feelings or hurting someone someone else's feelings. To just acquiesce and say, you know what, I really don't want to do this, but mm, she might think so and so. Oh, so I suppress it. Not good. Not good. It only leads to stress. What did some, and when you talk about the fear of hurting other people's feelings, I, I'd like mm-hmm. to have a few examples because 
we might think that something we do or say would hurt another person's feelings and we will choose not to be honest with a person because of that and then do more damage not just to them but also ourselves and the relationship in doing that by not just speaking up and saying hey this needs to be put on the table and this is what we need to talk about we need to do this thing so uh do you have examples of that communication yeah they're not real heavy they're very practical things because I'm, i think i'm a very practical person one of the things that dry is is driving um we're both drivers um but she would never drive her excuse all the time was well you know it's not my car it's your car and um if anything should have i had the experience years ago of damaging some of someone damaging my car and i don't want to drive yet i'd be tired sometimes and i would have loved for her to drop me off at work or pick me up but she would never do it she would never do it a uh, simple thing vacation uh, I had the opportunity to go on vacation quite a number of times. Um, been to a place that I really didn't want to go, which is, uh, I, 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 I'll just mention the place, Las Vegas, okay? I'm not a gambler. You know, if, if I did go to Las Vegas, all I wanted to do is just park me in a bingo hall and I could play bingo all day. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't necessarily like slot machines and things like that. But she loved it. And I would spend hours with her to slot machines and at the, the tables and whatnot. But when, when it was time to, to go to the bingo hall, instead of me insisting, I did not. I acquiesced. I said, okay, well, we can stay here for a couple more hours. And I left Vegas not go, not getting to go to the bingo hall or, and, the, and the bikini hall. And all I had to do was speak up, and I didn't. So I, had, I was there, and I was mad. But who am I mad at? I should. I was disappointed in myself. Just two very practical things. Mm, thank you. That right off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. All right, thank you. And that's how small they can be, but have such large yes. impacts. And mm. not only did you do things that you didn't want to do, but you also didn't get to do what you wanted to do because you didn't speak up. Can you say? Uh, so the reason that you wouldn't have spoken up is because it would have hurt her feelings. So. Yeah. How can you hurt someone's feelings just by having and expressing a need? Because I'm sure there have probably been times where she's asked stuff of you without thinking about hurting your feelings, and it didn't hurt your feelings, right? <laughs> All the time. All the time, because she got what she wanted. Mm. And in the relationship, did you get what you wanted? Not necessarily. Ah. So this brings up a really good point. When we look at relationships, because I'm, I'm, I'm more curious about and interested in relationships now. Yeah. And I think this is just coming with me becoming older and more so assessing partners for long-term relationships. Um, I'm curious about the difference between compromise compatibility and sacrifice these are the three words that keep like just pounding at my head and it sounds to me like maybe y'all weren't that compatible if there were so many little things that we can point out right now between like driving 
you know, this other person couldn't drive sometimes. Uh, vacations. This person had to be in the lights and slot machines, but like you wanted to go to bingo, they wanted to go to slot machines. It wasn't like y'all both go to slot machines and then y'all both go to bingo and do both. It was like so much either or. And I'm I'm giving this you know context here because I'm wondering if the more compatible you are with a person the fewer sacrifices and compromises that you have to make. Now, I'm sure there are always going to be compromises, but compromise for me would look like, oh, hey, I want you to dress up and come to this Comic-Con convention with me. And I know you love Mexican food. I don't really care for Mexican food, but like we'll go get Mexican afterwards. It's a win-win for everybody when we look at a compromise. But for compatibility, it would be, you know, uh, we both like doing things so i'm gonna go to a mexican comic con convention in mexico and then that's like a a win-win all around compatibility right that's how that's a way that i have to communicate it right now so my question that i would like for you to answer is where where is the line for you in this particular relationship in hindsight between where compatibility and then sacrifice came into play <laughs> whoa you didn't say 500 words all that huh it's a blur that's a blur of line um i don't know that it is a line um i think i would have had i would have had to weigh both of our needs and just sometimes, you, sometimes Courtney, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta go for it. Sometimes you have to think of yourself and and be selfish, and your partner will acquiesce and say, "Yeah, let's do it." And sometimes you, you have to say, "Well, you know, I'm gonna do this because she wants to do it. I may not like it, but you know what? I'm gonna get joy out of the fact that she's getting joy out of it." And you just go ahead and do it. And the worst thing that that can happen is I might enjoy myself. She might she might turn me on to something that that I find pleasure pleasure in. I mean, I do it as often as consistent as she does, but you know what? It wasn't so bad. What's the worst that could happen? That's my attitude. That what is the worst that could happen? Somebody can tell me no, but I don't want to do it. I said okay. It's so easy now to to just turn around and say okay, no problem. Maybe next week or whatever the case or something like that. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. I'm a bad. It's just we had different views at different times, and that this happens to be one of them. No biggie. I still like you. I still love you. We can be all right, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Um, I think that was a real much more simple place, uh, simple way of putting that than what I was trying to explain. Uh, so. Now, having been diagnosed uh, since 2014, so we're looking at about nine years, what has dating looked like for you in your age range, you know, being 64 years old, what's dating looked like over the years? Um, I won't say it looks brief, but uh, I haven't been dating. Um, I have... Uh, been concentrating on, on more on more practical things as my life goes on, you know. Um, I've just recently, uh, within the last year or two, 
joined a group of, uh, of, 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 of black women who, um, who are single, who are, who are lesbian as well. But then the only place to meet, but we meet is on, um, is, uh, you know, on, online and whatnot. And then it's just, it's, it's just, to me, it's unreal. It's, 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 it's not real. It's ultimate reality. You know, you have women post that post their picture on, on there and they, you know, they say a little bit about themselves and whatnot. And Oh, they show Can you, real quick, real quick. Oh, I was gonna say the phone fell and I couldn't hear you as well. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. All right, yeah, we good did, now. Right? Yeah, we good now. Okay. You know, just just some I've just seen some very distasteful things. You don't have to show a picture and show your boobs and I'm not interested in that initially. You know? And I've reached out to a few, gotten some responses and some that, you know, just responses that I've gotten just didn't sit well with me. You know, and I'm not traveling anywhere, you know, far, because I, because probably a lot of us go, we're not driving at night, okay? <laughs> you know, when it's sun, we're not, I'm just not. You know, I'll take a weekend trip here or there, but um, the way that I'm meeting that, that's most organic for me and which feels best for me, being the type of real person and woman that I am, is to, when I'm outside, doing my, um, attending to my daily business, I talk to people. And these other sisters around, you know, it could be in the store. It could be while I'm waiting for the bus. If I took the bus in the, in the doctor's office and you'd be surprised at the, the, the conversations that I have. And some of these women are gay. You look at me, they go, I'm kind of dressed kind of, you know, in the housey right now. I don't know if you're gay or not. And you don't know either. I met a wonderful woman that I, I'll say, and I'll say the store. ShopRite. This was a year and a half ago. Now, nothing came of it because uh, we found out that she was, uh, uh, I found out that she's in, uh, she's not a gay woman, but um, hey, it's going gonna, it's gonna to click one day and it's going to be real and it's going to be natural and it's not going to be on the, um, on the internet in the, in the nether region somewhere. That's just, that's not, 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 not me. I don't know. I don't know how y'all do it. It's yeah. fantasy. That's fantasy for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, while I'm popping my gas or something like that, or I'm or I, I drop something and it's taking me 20 minutes to go down and pick it up, and you pick it up for me, and I eyes it. You know, that's that's the reality. So it's that's so different now because people put up barriers to talk to people in real life, but get mad at the kind of attention that they get from what they put out on the internet. And I think that I'm starting to see, based on what you're saying, like I'm seeing a shift slowly but surely where um, people are beginning to dress in a way that's like, you may wear something that has a symbol on it that only someone in the know about that symbol would recognize. And it's like a conversation starter. People are giving more ends for a conversation, but like people who wear headphones out and about, cause you, you got me thinking about this too. Like maybe working out without my headphones and I'm at the gym every day and there are plenty of women there. Like I, I struggle with dating, um, online dating is difficult for me. Um, but meeting people in person is probably even more challenging because I don't care to go out and drink during the week. If I go out on the weekend, I'd rather, this is what I do. I drink at home, and then I get to where I'm going, I'm tipsy, and then it's wearing off throughout the night. And when I go home, 
I'm going to eat something that ain't terrible because I didn't make the decision to get everything on the menu while I'm drunk. And then I go to sleep good. I wake up and I can do it all again the next day. But it's been really challenging for me in places like that, the grocery store, uh, at the gym, bus, walking, uh, people walking their dogs. It's been difficult for me to get into the mode of just talking to everybody or talking to people because it doesn't feel like it's well received. I can understand that. Um, but you know what? Sometimes we're our own, own worst enemy. You, you know what you have to do? You just have to get out your own way and do it. I can tell you here, I live in a, in a, in a major metropolitan city, and I'll, I'll just name the city as New York City. People always have, most people have a scowl on their face. They're going to look at you. My sisters and brothers, we don't, we don't even look at one another uh, in the eye that often. Um, it changed a lot when we had masks on. But I don't pay that any attention because I, I've been told that I look, I look kind of mean and put off and standoffish myself. But I, you just got to do it and say hello. Say, you, know, you don't know how well we see you, you are. Because granted, you turn around and you look at the other person, they're thinking the same thing. They have those same thoughts that you do. They're just as scared or just they have just as many trepidations as you do. And once you and if you get a smile, you'd be surprised how many people how people open up. Forget about what the what you know that that expression on your face. It softens, and you can see it softening sometimes on them, and it's and and, and on you too. Postures change. Yeah. I don't know how you work out. With, I've seen that in the gym too. How you work? I can't. When I'm on a plane, I can't stand the headphones on my ear. They're annoying. I don't know how you can work out and sweat with the headphones on. I see, and with with a coffee cup walking down the street, headphones on, a coffee cup in your hand. I said, how do they do that? You don't know what they don't know what's going on in the world around them. Yeah, there's that. It's like a, a need to be stimulated in quantities versus the quality of stimulation from one thing. So like if I'm on my headphones, I'm listening to something, I'm reading something, I'm observing what's going on around me, that's three, four different stimulations. And uh, talking to you just now really made me think, you know, the most quality of stimulation is much more appealing than that quantity of stimulation. If I have one thing that I'm focused on, that I'm present with, and I am invested in that, my energy is going into that, the quality of what I get reciprocated is intensified versus if I am at the gym and I'm not only on my headphones, but I got my headphones in my ear to where if somebody calls me, I'll know they called and I'll answer the phone. Um, I'm probably scrolling through something in between sets. I'm missing out on perhaps somebody trying to get my attention. You know, I'm at the equipment longer than I should be. There's a lot there. And I, I'm glad that you shared that you just talk to people. Like, that's how you meet people. Because I think that I'm over the dating apps and the internet connections that uh, are too far away. Like, the only way to meet people around you is to meet people around you. And exactly. you got to catch them while they're there, regardless mm -hmm. of like us being in our own heads. And by us, I mean me being in my own head about, okay, well, I don't want to interrupt what this person has going on. But 
some people on the inside are like dying to be interrupted and they just don't know that until they're interrupted in a good way or by something that is present or a person that's present. And it's like you said, you know, you might get a smile. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you, what's, the, what, what's the worst that happens? You get a conversation and they're either interested or not. Yeah. yeah. And you get to focus on one thing at a time. I didn't grow up with, with headphones and all these. We focused on one thing. On one, and we did things. You know, if you want to go, if you're interested in, in, in art, go to an art show. Go look in the window. If you happen to be in a certain place and you're, part and, you're, and you're passing a gallery. You like comedy shows? Go to the comedy shows. Let's try. You know, sit next. Don't skip that seat when you see that person, even though they look you up and down and they cut their eyes. Sit right down next to them. You know, and the fans say good afternoon, and either they respond or they don't. I remember as a young kid, my, my, when we would get in the elevator, my mother would walk in, and she would say good afternoon to everybody in the elevator. And what, and I would, we, my sister and I, we would die a thousand deaths. We were so embarrassed. And guess who does the same thing now? People respond. Some do, some don't. And if they don't, it's not the end of the world. There's a tomorrow. You don't know how many how many tomorrows you have. That's why you got to take advantage of the one that you have, of the time that you have right now. Just do it. Yeah, man, that's uh that's some powerful stuff right there. Like dating advice wise, because people talk about how difficult it is to date, and I don't. I agree that dating is difficult, but mm-hmm. I believe that. It's difficult for people who want relationships. Dating is fun for people who are having fun dating. And dating is difficult for people who say they're dating but actually want a relationship. Because you're opting into a certain game that has to be played in order to get what it is that you want. In order to get your needs met, right? And you do that in environments where the playing field is just, it's the wild, wild west, (laughs) to say the least. But what you're describing to me is, uh, it's more more real, it's in the moment, it's genuine, there's fewer distractions and how you can just be where you are, going about your day, doing what you do, and the people who are along the way there, they're either available or they're not, they're either interested or they're not, they're, Mm -hmm. and at the end of it all, you know, there's a, a kind of dopamine hit that you get from engaging with the person and having a positive interaction that is way healthier and more high quality than scrolling TikTok. <laughs> like that's, I think that that's what it is. Like scrolling through your social media uh, has replaced genuinely just being present with and connecting with the people who are in proximity to you that you will never ever look up from your phone and notice like we'll be more connected with someone halfway across the country looking at their what they're posting on their social media and we might be walking past a a real cool podcaster or something and not even know it because we're looking down in our phones or we got our music playing that is very true and then a lot of times also we judge people, we judge perhaps uh, an, an association that we might want to make based upon what our eyes see, what the eyes in our head see. And the eyes in our head are not always uh, a good indicator. 
You know, that's very much true in, in, in the lesbian community because you've got women who are dressing in a certain manner, um, which gives us more masculine vibes as opposed to women who dress in the quote-unquote, and I use this in quote, uh, feminine manner. And you've got everything in between. So I have learned to put all of that aside. Put it all aside. Although my eyes, which 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 tell me I have certain preferences, I let that guide me. But that's not the primary thing. Let's sit down and talk. Let's do. Let's be with one another. Yeah. Put that aside. Because mm-hmm. once you get past the, you know, I, I listen to the young, to some of the young folks talk, and I've, I've realized, you know, a lot of times they, they're not having conversations with one another. I listen to a lot of the brothers, they'll say they'll say two words or two sentences, and the next thing out of their mouth is, nah me, nah me, you know what I'm saying? No. No, because you haven't said anything. Could you elaborate a little further? And we, and as women, as black women, as uh, older lesbians, we do some of that too. And that's my turn off. Well, no, yeah, okay. It's a no go from there. Uh, I heard things to talk about. I, I, I'm thinking about it because I heard yesterday. I heard that a lot. It was um, a group of black women, and one of them had like a deeper voice, more masculine presence, and then there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like, I don't, I, I don't, I, I really don't. <laughs> I can't tell you how, I, I can't, if I could, brother man, I, I, could, I can't tell you how distressing it is to hear. Yeah. And, and also to hear it from a woman sometimes who's 50, 60 years old and who is uh, uh, taking upon herself to, to exhibit some of the characteristics of, of uh, which I find quite uh, not appealing. It's just, so, but, but then again, I've got that free will. I, will. I can walk away and that's what we can all do. Yeah. So at at this point, after mm-hmm. all the yeah. dating experience that you've had, what do you find to be unattractive? What are things that you see right now that you can name off the top of your head that are unattractive to you? You mean specific qualities in a person? Yeah. Like when you say, you know, what you see with your eyes, that just highlights preferences. But we need to see people for more than that. What should we be looking for in potential partners? I don't know what other people would be looking for, but it, it personally, I like kindness and decency in per, in the person. If you've had, if you you look at, if you've worked and you've uh, set some some goals so that you're self sufficient and pretty much independent, you can take care of yourself. If you have some interests, um, if you're compassionate. You know, you see something, and just, if you see something, a piece of, I know it could be as simple as you see it, you were walking, you see you see something on the floor that needs to be picked up, you pick it up and hold it, and you put it in your pocket, and then you throw it in the nearest garbage can. You run the train, and you see you see somebody that needs to sit down, and you, you know you got space. You can scooch over a little bit and, and let them, and treat treat people, people decently, the way treat them the way you want to be treated. We in traffic, and you see me trying to make a turn, and you're driving or I'm driving, let the person go in front of you. Be decent. Be decent. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah. I've, uh, I think I've said this on this podcast before, but not, it's not just treating people the way you want to be treated, because I think we mm-hmm. do such a good job at treating people 
other people better than we're willing to treat ourselves <laughs> and telling other people you need you deserve better you deserve more i would say treat people the way not that they want to be treated but the way that you might think they want to be treated right mm. because i think that that's it, there's you can probably pick that apart in different ways but i think Ooh. that if we are able to treat other people the way that we think they want to be treated, I think that that'll sort of mirror back to us. Like, oh, well, I need to treat myself better, right? And everyone will always say it starts with us. But what I found, and even with this podcast, I didn't heal perfectly before starting this show. It has been throughout the process of me helping other people that I've gotten a little bit better about recognizing my own needs, and being able to help myself, but it was a reverse thing for me. This may not be the case for everybody, but I do believe that when we more so optimize our strong suits, our, our positive traits, which in my case has been connecting people. I think that that's something that a gift that I was born with was just making people connect. And here I am now at almost at 34 years old, and I'm connecting people to community, to support, to resources, and in a safe way through something that is, for many of us, one of the most traumatizing experiences of our life. To be able to come together and just experience one another in this way and to be able to facilitate that has done a lot for me. But I can honestly say that I know that I don't treat other people the way that I want to be treated because that's been challenging for me uh, to figure out. Like, how do I want to be treated? Like, this is a question I'm only now asking myself six years into doing this after learning and hearing from other people talking about, you know, their own uh, the way that they treat themselves and how they've been treated and how others treat them. And yeah, it's. I, I want to encourage people to challenge themselves with that. Mm-hmm. And ask themselves the question, what is it that, that I want? How does it look? How does kindness look in a relationship, look like in a relationship with me? Yes. For you, in a friendship? If that means, well, you know what? I'm going to cook. I know you're coming home later. I'm not going to eat everything. I'm going to leave something on the stove for you, or I'll put it in the refrigerator with some luminous foil. You can have it so that you can have it later. It's a simple thing. That is so simple. Or, or even ask. Even ask my partner. I, said, she's, I remember she used to say to me, um, um, you know what? Things aren't really that exciting in our relationship. You're not really passionate. And I had to ask, well, what does passion look like to you? What would you, what do you, what exactly do, how does that look like in the world? My answer is, you know what? Every once in a while, I'd like to go out to the bar and grill around the corner and listen to the DJ because he plays a lot of soca. He like, plays a lot of uh, Latin music that I like. I'd like to do it. And not, let's, no, don't, let's plan it two weeks in advance. When you come home, let's just go and do it spontaneous. I said, that's what it looks like. That's all it takes. Yeah. And I would have never known if I didn't come out and ask specifically, what does that look like? Don't give me just the idea of it. I need to know what is it that you need me to do to make this happen. Yeah. yeah. And it's really, it's really simple. 
And as far as herpes is concerned, to me, I don't see this having to be somewhat uh, traumatized. It's just another condition that I'm that I'm living with. That's it. And see, the the traumatization more comes from people. Um, sometimes how they got the diagnosis and then uh, if they experienced rejection from mm-hmm. partners and then the negative self-talk and self-rejection and how um, people will blame not being in a relationship or not getting the outcomes they want from dating on herpes. Mm-hmm. And just, again, going back to how much weight people can place on herpes versus their own attractiveness, their own expectations. Maybe they're dismissing that they're not a good person or that they aren't kind or that people just don't have compatibilities. And I I see that being what makes a person continue to trigger or traumatize themselves uh, as they go through the process of dating. And then they just, herpes is so easy to blame because it's right there. But what it does for many of us is bring something to the surface that was an emotion or something that represents vulnerability. And like you said, you know, we might seem good at vulnerability right now, but on this podcast, what I find is that people here have an outward representation of something that maybe was hidden that they now have to bring to the forefront. And it can be how they've done relationships in the past. It can be how their relationship is with sex. It can be how their relationship is with themselves. But it really does highlight and um, it really brings a, a telescope, so to speak, or a microscope to what's underneath the herpes energetically and emotionally and then we have to deal with it mm, you said a mouthful there and as i'm listening to you what's what's what crystallizes in my mind is that um at least for me on a person for me is that um i have to, i will have to be vulnerable i will have to uh speak the words that i have this condition and um i have to leave it up to although i may choose the person Ultimately, that person is the one that's going to be doing the choosing. Uh uh-uh, uh, because you're you still choosing who you tell, right? I think we we choose oh, each absolutely. other. Yeah, we choose each other. You're choosing that person yeah. because it's like, all right, you know, you you pass all the tests. Um, here, I'm going to give you this piece of vulnerability. We can either connect mm-hmm. through it, or it can be what brings us apart. Because vulnerability, while it does welcome vulnerability from others, it welcomes acceptance. It welcomes. Um, people who understand it also repels the people who aren't supposed to be there you know it's a it's it's two-sided you know it brings in more of what we want and less of what we don't want it weeds them out doesn't it mm-hmm. so that just means i just go on and turn like dorothy click my heels and go on and turn and keep on going that's it, and that's it. i just have less time to do this some folks that's all mm-hmm uh, I have a friend of mine, one of my best friends, he's been seeing someone for about a year, and he mentioned to me, he was like, you know, it really feels good when somebody just likes you, like to know that somebody just genuinely likes you, and he was speaking to some of the things that she does to that let him know that she just genuinely cares about him, and it made me realize just how simple it is 
to show someone that you like them and how hard it is to believe it. And, and, you know, he spoke about like, uh, she checked in with him. She was like, Hey, you know, I know traffic's bad on your way home. Do you want to just come over here? Like I can cook us something to eat and you can stay tonight. So you ain't got to worry about sitting in traffic for an hour to get back home. And that was an example that he gave. Another one was, um, just like, I know you just anticipating the needs of him, his needs. Um, and it's reciprocal because he spoke about some things that he does for her too. And he was just like, man, you know, this is so simple and it just feels so good to be like, and I recognize for myself with partners who've been really, really kind to me unconditionally, not wanting anything in return and who've just naturally been themselves. And I've been resisting to it because it's like, nah, this ain't right. This isn't how it's supposed to be. I'm not used to this. And just like repelling that, you know, and I, I hate how uncomfortable I am with other people doing kind things for me unconditionally mm -hmm. when I do it unconditionally for so many people. Yes. Yes. You can do. You can give it, but you can't accept it, huh? I know. And, and, I, I, and it starts with a simple compliment. And if you can't accept a compliment, you know. I'll tell you, this lady, this lady in Germany, I remember, stranger, like this is my first time meeting her. There was a little bit of conversation. She said, oh, she said, you're so funny. And I, I still light up when I think about that compliment. Like that is the best compliment I've ever received. And I just light up all the time whenever I just think about it. And it goes to show just like how uncomfortable receiving is for me, but how simple that gift was from her. It was just three words you're so funny and a smile and that's available i got that over in germany and that's available everywhere you just gotta be willing to put yourself out there in that way like obviously i did or said something that demonstrated my personality that demonstrated perhaps some vulnerability and it was received and then the way that i got something back from that person was just a compliment and a smile and it did so much for me because i'm thinking about it that was in october last year we we about to be in february <laughs> feelings don't necessarily leave you yeah and she touched you touched her and yeah. she just let you know it yeah um so we're we're getting to the end this has been a really good conversation i'm i'm glad that we were able to touch on herpes and also uh, some of your dating experiences and uh, I'm really happy to hear uh, you speak to the experience of someone who has received herpes at an older age and you're demonstrating just how insignificant this is compared to all the other important things. Is there anything that you would like to leave us with um, as I let you go? I'm going to try and be as succinct as possible. My mind is in a thousand places. But um, let the acquisition of herpes just be one thing in your life. And that's all it is. Um, it's something that, that we manage just as we're going to have to manage everything else we do in our lives. Um, make it more of a, make, let it make you more of a person than less of a person. And only only you can determine and what that is, what those to, to define that. 
And uh, not just being in a, being in an intimate relationship is not the only type of relationship there is. You will get certain things from certain people. You could be wanting, you can want intimacy and want physical touch. And sometimes you know you might not get it. You're gonna have to figure out as an individual how to manage that. At least that's what I've done until the time comes that I'm like, <laughs> that's what I've done and that's what I'm doing until the time comes that I find somebody that I can share with. And if not, well, you know, there's a whole lot going on yeah. in, the, in this world. You know, I happen to be in a place where that, um, where, uh, in a location where, uh, well, I already said we, uh, where uh, there are a lot of things going on to, to carry my into garner my interest. But, you know, I come home to an apartment too by myself. But we will figure it out. And if you need help, go get it. Go find a therapist. If you have health coverage, you're fine. You call them up and find out who are the therapists or who are the social workers or whoever that, that can have that. My coverage uh, is covered by. And just talk. Let it out. Don't hold it in because your hair will fall out. Your pressure will go up. You will get acne. You will get all sorts of these stresses that you don't need. Let it out. And and be quiet sometimes. Turn off the television, take the earphones off your ear, and just sit. Sit with yourself. I'm gonna do that. I'm going I'm going to the gym right after we get off of here. I'm gonna work out without headphones today. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna try yeah, and start a conversation. I'm gonna do that. Yes, yes, it's gonna be a whole new world. You're gonna hear the barbells clinking, you're gonna hear the Feet on the treadmill, you're gonna hear people grunting and doing all sorts of things, and the bell opening, going off when the doors open. Yeah, it's called life. Yeah, take it. All right, I'm gonna I'm do it today. Today, I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna I'm see how it is. <laughs> yeah, okay. Put on those headphones real quick as soon as you get outside. No, nah, I ain't gonna do that. I ain't gonna do it. Well, uh, Joyce, this was beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you reaching out and being able to do this with such a quick turnaround time today. Um, I had a podcast guest uh, cancel on me. He said he's having mm -hmm. a little bit of a cough, so we're going to get together next week. But um, thank you for helping me with filling this time. And this is going to be, the, yeah, this, this is going to be great. Well, I, I appreciate you, uh, Courtney, and thank you for um, for being gracious with me. And um I had to jump on it before I lost my nerve. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did it. <laughs> All right. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. This is self-help for people who are navigating herpes stigma. It doesn't matter if you're struggling with it, if you're thriving in it. It's just here for you to come get what you need and then leave. Something Positive for Positive People is also a 501c3 nonprofit organization that provides these services on a donation basis. And if you want to support us, you can make a donation on Venmo or Cash App at Courtney Brame, all one word. There are no letters, no other letters. There's no numbers or anything. Please don't get scammed. And if you want to be a guest on the podcast, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm on social media at Courtney Brame underscore. That's Instagram and TikTok. 
uh, and then on Reddit, I'm still H on my chest. And uh, yeah, be on the lookout for the herpes survey, the 2023 herpes survey. This one's going to be much more detailed than 2021 was. I got with an intern. We've got IRB approval from a university. So this is going to be official and hopefully we'll be able to get this out to the general population so that people can see from our experiences what having this virus is like. And for the people who do become newly diagnosed, this will be a resource that is readily available for them and accessible to them after they are diagnosed. All right. Till next time.